Hello, and welcome to another Modest Conversation. Uh, I'm here with Aran Shear, who's the CEO of Nexar. And I guess this requires a modest disclosure, right? Which is that I'm both a huge fan and involved with the company. Um, um, but that said, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so what's on your mind? So, you know, I just came from uh, meeting a bunch of mayors for a few days from all over the world. So the problems of the modern city have been kind of on my mind for the last week, which is kind of an interesting thing because you think of all of the different cities in the world, and you know, we, we are seeing these, these days around 3,000 cities on a regular basis with mm-hmm. Nexar. Um, so, and they're all kind of different mm-hmm. in the different ways. But then when you take a step back, you look... You, you, you zoom out enough and you t- it turns out that all of those cities and all of the mirrors that I've been, I, I, I met have basically two problems. Mm-hmm. And the same two problems from kind of, you know, the Bay Area to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And this is, the first problem is housing prices, displacement and, uh, and gaps between rich and poor. Right. That's the, the first problem. And the second problem is congestion. Yep. Transportation. I feel <laughs> like as a San Francisco resident, that <laughs> rings true. <laughs> and it's not, they're not going anywhere. Actually, they keep on uh, getting uh, harder and harder. And, and there's sort of the curse of success. Yeah. The most successful uh, cities suffer from them the most. Sure. And they don't see kind of a way out. So what do you do about it? Well, what does it mean? Well, does it mean we're just screwed? Does it mean that people should be fleeing San Francisco for medium cities and finding out they have the same problems there as everywhere else? Like, what's the? No, I, I believe in in you know the human ingenuity. I believe in in the human spirit. And so we have, to, we have to solve. These we things. have to solve this problem. Yes. <laughs> well, some people will eventually kind of maybe leave, but that's not the that's not a good solution. The the um, good solution is to look at these problems from the root cause and look at the potential problems that are from a creative standpoint. Yeah. And in most cases, you'll find the, pro- the, the, the problem and the solution um, very quickly. Like the main problem in both these cases typically is externalities. Mm-hmm. Right? The fact is uh, that you get a bunch of things for free or subsidized, mm-hmm. uh, so you overuse them, mm-hmm. uh, or you use them in a, an inefficient manner because you really don't have any incentive to... To not. To not, yeah. exactly. Yep. And that's, that's kind of true across the board. Yep. And if you're starting to do that and you're starting to think creatively, but... I think more more importantly, if you actually looking at the problem, and not not looking at what I find many many people sometimes do is they look at some utopian world that they want to live in, and they're kind of trying to solve for that yeah. rather than trying to solve to the actual problems sure. that people have in their life. Got it. So I mean, I get that as someone who is a big advocate of reading and copying science fiction, um, I, I get the impulse to do that. It's easy to pattern match, right? Yeah. Um, but what is it actually resolving? You know, obviously you have a deep insight on and, and think a lot about autonomy and cars. Right? Yeah. Um, and you think about the utopian future, 
We've got the flying car story, which has been going on since the 1950s at least. Yeah. We've got the uh, ant farm underground car tunnel Elon Musk plan <laughs> for solving congestion. Yes. And then you have the backdrop of transportation, in theory, continuing to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Um, yes. And causing more and more congestion, right? Yes. So what's what's the answer? What, what do you do that isn't... What, what, what is the big idea or what are some possibilities that aren't utopian futuristic but that you could actually do? So first of all, you want to understand what is the uh, basic problem. The basic problem is today in, in most places you have either uh, public uh, transportation mm-hmm. that is uh, subsidized, sometimes heavily subsidized, yep. okay? but people pay money they, and it's... And normal for they they don't think it's weird that they have to buy a ticket to get on a train sure. or on a bus right and then you have private transportation where people use the roads and they don't typically they don't pay money right. for the usage of roads right they get it for free it's yep. a custom that this is free um, uh, and and uh, well they don't pay for use they pay for it in theory through taxes and other things right yes but that that is shared among everyone, right? Right. So if you, um, if you like, uh, and in some places these are the ratios, the top ten percent that owns a car and uses it, okay, uh, and you you use um, kind of your use of the road is like ninety percent mm-hmm. of the time. Yep. You, you are the one that's using the road. Sure. And then the other ninety percent of people are crammed into into public transportation that is kind of underfunded so it's, or whatever. It's almost like the joke is that that roads are a regressive tax. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly it. So you know, I'll give you a simple just to to kind of give an appetizer. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uber has surge pricing, sure. right? But no one ever uh, surge priced Uber. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Consider, and that's very easy, easy to do because we have all the data. Consider uh, Uber will pay uh, on the use of a road segment sure. based on congestion at that particular time, that particular Totally. Congestion day. taxes. I mean, yes. basically, central London has done this. Yes, in, yeah. a, in a crude way, in like... One one yeah. one size fits all. In a all. simplistic way. In a right. simplistic way, um, right. And it's interesting. So they've done it. You have a lot of road privatization in the U.S., right? Yes. So if you go to Colorado, for instance, right? Yeah, right. Tolls. You know, you, private equity firms have bought half the roads, right? Um, and do this to some degree. Yeah. Right? They do some sort of flexible hours-based pricing. And in Tel Aviv, we have it too. Yeah. We have a, um, a really successful project, a, a BOT, which mm-hmm. means that... The, it's basically a private, um, a private uh, contractor that built another lane yep. to the entrance to Tel Aviv. Yep. For 25 years, they have the contract to uh, use it. And um, you pay a dynamic price when using that uh, between $2 and $20. Yep. So the, flexi- the, flexibility, the price uh, uh, elasticity is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, you can also uh, go there for free if you're at least four people or you were bus, something like that. Got it. And was that, do you know if that was contracted in from the get-go, or was that a political yeah. compromise? No, no, that was, I, I don't know the, the negoci- yeah. negotiations. It's been going on for a few years, and it's great. Yeah. Like, people like, uh, you know, partners in VC funds, 
happy to pay the 20 bucks yeah. to uh, enjoy a quicker commute. And everyone enjoy um, the uh, reduction in, in traffic. In addition to that, it also functions as an HOV. Yep. Right? So, so it's like beneficial on all uh, sides. But that's just a, a taste. Yeah. So I wonder, I mean, that's a very, it's an often discussed option. Like I grew up right outside of New York City, right? Yeah. And we would always talk about the Was- George Washington Bridge where the congestion gets crazy. And, mm-hmm. and the answer is, if you said it costs $100 to cross the George Washington Bridge at 8.30 a.m., you'd probably actually balance the traffic nicely. But it would also probably be viewed as, and would be in a lot of ways, the, the least democratic thing imaginable, That's true. right? That's and true. so there's this challenge of like how you think about democracy, right, versus how you think about capitalism. And so yes. what you're proposing is the optimal economic solution. Yeah, so I, but I, it's not necessarily like the optimal social solution. Right. So I do, I do not propose doing that in, in a very kind of... Ain Vine kind of way, yeah. like each each man to its own. But um, but I'll give you an example of a deal that you could you could do. Um, you know, many in many cities, uh, ride sharing services are not allowed, or they you know they're fought over, etc. Yeah. So you don't have to you don't have to start with the entire population. You can just go. Uh, and do a deal like, for example, if I was the mayor of Austin, yep. that was what I would go. Uh, you know, because Austin, uh, yeah, banning ban- doesn't make a lot of sense, but you could just price it up enough. Yes, and allow say it. and Uber, <clears throat> I bet Uber and Lyft would be happy to pay. Um, Perhaps, but I mean, the interesting thing with that in terms of them paying is it becomes this interesting city by city economic negotiation which is very difficult so one thing i always think is fascinating is there's an argument mm-hmm. that the owners of the car companies effectively fleeced america right because they convinced the government to build all the roads for them which yeah. was critical infrastructure and then they mm-hmm. just sold the cars on top of them and took all the profits right yeah. for a long time right and so the question in my mind and i actually think i wrote a column about this a while ago right which is basically say one of the arguments against Lyft and Uber being good businesses to invest in is this kind of a fool me once, shame on me, <laughs> fool me twice, shame on, shame on, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, yeah. which is in the end of the day, if most of the value yeah. and most of the capital is the road infrastructure and all yeah. that stuff, then all of a sudden these businesses might not look so good um, that's, as private businesses. That's possible. That's possible. But remember that well, we're getting into a world where the price per mile of transportation yeah. is plummeting, right? Mm-hmm. We're moving into electric uh, vehicles. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, you know, throwing the driver out of the vehicle, potentially, sure. all this kind of stuff. So the, the, there is a, there's a case to be made that practically uh, transportation, if all rules stay the same, will become free. Like you yep. could finance it with ads to the passenger or, or some stupid thing like that. Yeah. Right. And then the the question is, what is the you know what is actually the price of transportation? Yeah. And then the price is congestion. Yeah. That's the price. So yeah. you don't pay anymore for the driver yep. or for the gas or anything like that. Now you pay for the right to use 
the road, yeah. and then a, a trip from up, you know, from Upper East Side to Philadelphia might be cheaper than yeah. one to well, Wall Street. Although there are two other things I would, I would mention on this, right? One is that's not the full cost. The other cost is removing employment. Right. Yes. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, if you think at a societal macro level rather than a business level, that might be the biggest cost, right? Is, yes. is supporting the millions of people who would have otherwise had jobs. Well, that, that is something interesting because, you know, when, when, when you talk to um, city officials and mayors and, and people like that, the number one problem with congestion is that it hinders economic growth. Yeah, that makes sense. There, there are places like, uh, you know, for example, I learned about Panama City mm-hmm. this past week. Yeah. Pan- Panama City, um, the, the um, um, commute time can be as much as two, three hours per direction. So you're basically spending half your work day in a car, if not yes. more. So people wake up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to get to 8, at 8 to walk. That's, first of all, it's like the, the shittiest kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, that kind of, that kind of feels almost like the early days of, of industrial revolution type level of... Yeah. Uh, and, and another, uh, another uh, amazing fact that for one day I was the only one, I think, in the world that knew it. Uh, uh, just because I talked to two people separately and connected the dots. Probably there's some smartass that knows it also. So the <laughs> su- A smartass other than you. Other than me. <laughs> <laughs> so the size of Toronto yeah. is 649 square kilometers. Okay. Uh, the, and the con- congestion, like I said, is the, the hardest problem. The size of Jakarta in Indonesia is 650 Square kilometers. Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly the same size. Yep. Only they have six times the people. Yeah. Okay. So think of their problem. Yep. Okay. This is like mind-boggling. The the level, the the size of this uh, this problem. The yeah. Kind of uh, problem they need to deal with. Yeah, it is interesting. It's also anything about economic development. I mean, to me, you look at like the Bay Area. Something I'm pretty familiar with at this point, right? There's no question that one of the pieces you talk about hindering development is one answer is you're going to commute for three hours. The other is actually just the number of employers you're willing to work for shrinks dramatically, right? Um, And you end up with either a bunch of small offices and telecommuting and things like that. I mean, Uber's done this. They they have many offices within an area where historically you'd probably have one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just because people, they don't want people to commute even from Palo Alto to the city anymore, right? Um, Because it's just like really hard and people it would cost they, you two hours a day right yeah. and, um, they, and they wouldn't want to do that if yeah. they have an alternative and in places with two and a half percent unemployment like here you have lots of alternatives right and which is fascinating because in the end of the day the whole point of cities and megapolises and things like that is supposed to be labor mobility yeah. right um being able to like go anywhere and therefore creating a more but it actually doesn't right you end up with effectively villages inside cities Right, where people don't want to move too far. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's all like a grid. You know, back in in '99, I I was I wrote a physics paper on transportation, mm-hmm. just because you know physicists can get into any problem and think that they can say something interesting about it. And we we try to figure out autonomous traffic lights. What will be the optimal autonomous traffic light? algorithm in a Manhattan metric. Okay. In a grid-like So grid, in a grid format. Yes. And um, and what we realized is, you know, everyone are, are really, uh, really love the, the green wave. 
mm-hmm. you know, that you have this kind of grid wave and you can go ahead and you're not stopping. And that's good if you have low density. Mm-hmm. But then if you get to what we call percolation threshold, where yep. the, almost the, the, the city gets all gridlocked, yep. then actually a, grid, a green wave is, is the worst idea that you can think of. Interesting. So you actually go back to wanting to stop people. Yes. Build up demand and then release it and yes. then stop. And because and because what you have, if you have a green wave, is sort of long, uh, long range correlations. Yeah. So you can block the entire thing and then you block also the, the, the everyone that comes up and down. Yeah. So what we, we jokingly, we called it the stupid cop strategy. It's better to put like a random uh, noise into the into the traffic lights interesting and increase the the percolation threshold wow that's a really interesting and counterintuitive thing to, to realize right? yeah right? that's very cool but but what what i think i uh, i i want to say on this is that the end of the day with all of these kind of congestion problems it comes down to a basic thing which is the average number of uh, vehicles or the maximum number of vehicles per lane per hour Mm -hmm. is typically 2,000 vehicles today. That's what, that's like everyone that plans transportation, that's what they use. Okay. Uh, Which means about uh, 2,400 people in a 1.2 kind of ratio, which is, again, what we're accustomed in commute time. Yep. Okay, so now the question is, and that's the basic question. How do you move from 2,400 human per, per lane per hour yep. to 8,000? Okay. okay? That's, the, that's the challenge. It's not autonomy. It's not, kinda, um, it's not even uh, um, uh, making driving safer like, like we do. It's really moving that number. From 2,400 to 8,000. But isn't it even worse than that? Because right now, on a steady state, assuming you're a believer that we get to full autonomy, which I am not, but assuming we do in a reasonable timeline, it's no longer people, it's even like individual packages. Yes. Right? Like, so I have, I mean, I'm probably a very bad, I mean, a congestion tax would change my behavior because I will admit with a young child and a wife, we're probably on a two to three Amazon now order a day cadence, right? We have a constant stream of packages showing up at our door, subsidized by the government and a lack of congestion tax, right? Um, So, you know, right now, if you release that constraint and you all of a sudden can start routing packages that way, I mean, that seems like it's way harder than, it's not really getting from, it's like you're at a steady state, you're going to go from 2,400 people to 2,400 units of packages, right? And Um, it's even worse. Yeah. Because many of the cars will just drive empty. Right. right? We you got the backhaul. Even... You have the local backhaul problem. <laughs> yes. Think about, think about this. Today, how, much, how many minutes are you willing to wait for an Uber? Uh, three. Three. In the okay. city. In yeah. the city, you're willing to, to wait for three. If now I'll tell you that you can own okay, an autonomous vehicle that yeah. will, will be there at 30 seconds. Yeah. Kinda, just waiting for me. Just waiting for you. Yeah. And kind of all personalized. He knows when you're kind of getting up to yeah. to start walking, and he'll be there. Of course, you'll 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 want that. Yeah. You want to own that, right? Well, it's always like you go to Manhattan or a lot of places, and you see that the you know the black cars waiting yeah. people outside, and you're like, that yeah. works when there's only three people in the building that have a black car waiting yes. outside. That does not work right at scale. Yeah, and now you're gonna have that for each one because it's gonna be uber cheap, yep. right? 
those car, those cars uh, won't have to be made out of metal. Yeah. It'll be just a, you know basically a glass bubble. Yeah. Right. So and they they'll be electrified. Yep. So the cost will be nothing. Yeah. So you will you will think of them like an extension of your smartphone. Yeah. Right. So so you'll have one. You know, for yourself, for Jessica, for for Lion, for yeah. you know, you you'll have different ones in different colors. Yeah. And and when we think. Uh, here in the valley mostly but not only mm-hmm. when we think about the future of transportation we think of this you know utopian world where everyone will do carpooling and I'm gonna uh, give away my Tesla to the network for the for a few hours during the day while I walk and then I'll get it back with everyone's spit on it yes that yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah well I, I mean it's interesting I have never believed the argument that I mean that we'll all own self-driving cars right but my argument has always been just from an efficiency standpoint personally like I'd actually rather have it available where you know I just I don't want to deal with ownership I, I mean I, I it will happen but but here's the other thing is I think I think that what you're saying which makes a lot of sense to me is that actually is probably right but not for the reasons I think which is I don't think people will want it right my argument was always people thought they were gonna had they wanted to own music until they didn't have to people thought they wanted to own a car until they didn't have to right so yeah. Your argument is actually, no, 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 you'll get there because we will have to fundamentally tax these things so much, right, that you won't be able to afford it because it doesn't matter what the cost of the vehicle is or the cost of... That's not the cost. That's not the cost. Exactly. The The societal cost, the externalities is really not... So if you had... I'm curious if you've done this calculation. Do you kind of have a ballpark calculation... Assuming we're not going to like tunnel to the core of the earth and create these crazy, you know, you know, effective, you know, whatever they're called, you know, tubes. But if you properly priced yeah. a car in San Francisco right now, right, yeah. for the congestion cost of it, do you know how to run that calculation? Uh, I think I do. I don't I don't know that I have the, the number. number. Yeah. But uh, but the the main the main way in which you 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 can do that is um, through agent based simulations. Mm-hmm. I would just run like we actually have a, such a such a simulation in. Uh, the thing that you need to figure out is uh, what are the alternatives, and that yeah. depends on each place. Like if I have an amazing kind of public transportation in such a place, then I'll be willing to pay less. Like in in Manhattan, obviously, mm-hmm. I, I won't pay a high congestion tax because I can just you know take the subway. Right. I, I most probably will take the subway anyway. Yeah. But in a place like Tel Aviv, where we really don't have almost any good public transportation, I'd I, I'd be willing to pay a lot. Well, it's interesting because if you ran that, then you might also change the dynamic around people's willingness to fund public transportation. Right? Yes. Because that's an interesting... If you like, did the scheme you're talking about, and all of a sudden, in, a, in I don't know, in San Francisco, cars cost $50,000 a year, straight yeah. up, not for the car, but for like the, the access to the roads. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you create a lot of back pressure to say, no, 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 we got to get this cost down. And the best way to get the cost down on cars is going to be to build more public transportation. That's true. That's true. But then the other thing that I think is that it's not only about hindering demand. Yeah. It's also about uh, increasing supply. Increasing supply. Yeah. Uh, supply of uh, comes through efficiency. Yeah. Okay. Today, the transportation system is extremely inefficient. So everyone know about one inefficiency, which is like one one person per car, yeah, four uh, percent usage, and all of that stuff. But the thing that um, that 
people don't understand as much is that when 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 cars the way cars drive today on the road or, or are driven today on the road is extremely inefficient right you the whole notion of traffic lights for example is is a huge inefficiency yeah if you look at ants or even think of you know a, a great place that I, I've been to last month the Shibuya crossroads in uh, in in Tokyo yeah Where it's like yeah, yeah. a million people kind of yeah, weaving. Yeah, it's a crazy experience if you have done it. You have the same thing in uh, Hanoi with the uh, scooters. Sure. Right? All this kind of stuff. If you manage to move from traffic lights to traffic flows, mm-hmm. if you manage to add coordination and optimization of traffic flows, you can increase... the the density so, yeah, per vehicle by 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 a three x at least so that gets you from what you said twenty four hundred yeah that gets you the eight thousand you're talking about alone yeah. with no yeah. other changes yeah yeah but it requires... so the question is just how long until you stop up that demand i mean it's like just like any other you know flow the internet or anything right which is could be you open up the pipe you get more stuff at the end of the day you know you have so many people in a in a certain square square mile and that need to go from One place to another yeah um, but it's it's quite possible you yeah. know uh, especially with your packages and with the, the empty car my empty cars and yeah. all that stuff well I think it's also partially why like as much as it's not quite there yet the drones are so interesting yeah. because that's the other at least package solution right um, you, you know what which I isn't do? that far out right it's it's not there but like the idea that amazon could drop a drone on my roof is actually from their deliver i mean they absolutely could do it from their distribution center i right would now. do something much stupider no i don't know stupider but much uh, less sophisticated less sophisticated uh, i would just take uh, and there are some people in i think estonia that are, are, are building something like that i'll just take A, a, a small um, a small vehicle made out of plastic that cannot hurt anyone and uh, that that drives on the sidewalk on the sidewalk for like five miles an hour there, there are company there are several companies out here too that are working on yes, this in some form. I've been trying for the longest time for like two years I've been trying to convince uh, anyone to do a self-driving pizza oven yeah <laughs> I, I actually have someone you should talk to who's been talking about that for a long time. I have a, a who, who's doing a great pizza service trying to do that. Yeah, no, I, I, that's funny you mentioned that. I didn't know you were into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think it's going to be interesting. One, one person once said, I can't wait, told me they said, I can't wait until Amazon has delivery drones because it's going to be like playing Duck Hunt with prizes. <laughs> like, oh, flat screen TV flying through the air. <laughs> But I mean, and I think the problem with these delivery robots is, I mean, there's going to be a whole wave of very hilarious tampering with them. Yes. Yes. And frankly... But, but it's not such a big deal because they're all, ca- <laughs> you know, they have cameras, it streams immediately yeah. with face recognition. Although, in fairness, we talked, we started this, maybe this is a good place to end the conversation. We started about talking about not looking at science fiction yes. as examples of this. I feel like I've seen the delivery robot robbery in a lot of science fictions before. Um, well, if you just, if, if you want the optimal... transportation system then my choice is from the cave of caves of steel uh, Isaac Asimov yeah, they yeah. had this thing of strips yeah they have this a bunch of strips in different velocities you jump into a slow one then you go and you just go uh, so I that, mean it would be problematic for your current business but I agree that would be cool. well <laughs> well dude it's good to see you thanks for doing a modest conversation happy to always fun yes